Yo, what's up, people? All the party people that are still going out on a Monday, <laughs> you know who you are. Um, it was good to be out. I ended up going out for the first time in over two weeks after my injury. Couldn't stay as long as I wanted to, or at least till the end, but oh my God, did they put on a show. We had Pan Pot, and then Amelia Lenz is just fucking relentless techno. If you guys haven't checked her out, check her out, man. Uh, anyway, I didn't do this Sunday night because I had just put out like seven of these things. So um, I took some time off to do uh, just a day or so so I could get ready for the next ones. Because remember, this is the month or so that we're going to be doing things differently a little bit mm, more. Well, I already went through it, so I won't bore you with it. But it's more of a self-help type month. And most of what we'll be talking about is emotions. And um, the big thing I want to get to today is where all this stems from. And that comes from the mind. And yeah, a lot of people would say the emotions are coming from your body. But nothing comes from your body except throw up. No, like seriously, like we're of mind. So everything comes through the mind first. The mind will make the body think it's real. Okay. And there are, when we talk about the mind, I want to talk about the two parts of the mind. And I'm not talking about the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. Not at all. I'm going to use, because we're doing this for the two months, I'm going to use some mainstream um, labels and then have my insights and stuff on it. But at least I'm using the insight labels so that uh, the people that challenge me, they can understand that, yes, I can even use the words that they use and still come up with what, it, what I'm supposed to be doing. So we're going to name the two sides of the mind like they did in, um, I think it's Buddhism that does it um, basically during one of my, it makes me kind of laugh because I don't do meditation. And I always said, what's the point of meditation? What's the point of thinking of nothing? That just seems like a waste of time. And um, I don't think it's really possible anyway because if you're trying to think about nothing, you're thinking about nothing, trying to think about nothing. And hence, you're not thinking about nothing. You got it. And uh, what would you do? Think about nothing. It would, it, uh, see what I mean? It just doesn't seem like a, but anyway, um, I think it's a, a common concept in Buddhism for, for, for a long time. I mean, many centuries, I believe. Um, now, I know that the new Western therapies, they have something called ACT, which is acceptance commitment therapy. And that's kind of catching on right now. Um, I'm not on board with it, really, but um, who knows? I mean, if it can solve anything, we'll see. Um, I'll tell you how that we I solve things, because this is what I do. Um, I'm going to break down the two minds, or the two minds further here, um, and show you how they can be applied to solving many of the emotional problems that we deal with in our everyday lives, um, kind of working it into the emotional uh, three-part series that I did before. So the problem with these two sides of the mind, this is what is our major problem with it, is, and it's with the thinking mind, not what we call it. One side is the thinking mind, one's called the observing mind. Now, the, th the problem with the thinking mind is that it you don't have total control over it at all. You think that you have control over your mind, but you truly do not. The mind does so much without you knowing that you would be very surprised. And this is something that I'll be talking about today. And if you don't 
if you don't believe me at all, I, I can prove it, and I'll go ahead and prove it before we get into it all, because then, then you won't just turn it off. So, the next words that come out of my mouth, I'm going to give you a some a statement to what to do or not to do. Okay, so when I start talking, you'll understand that you're to follow the instructions, and it, that's you're the proof. I. I'm not only ever going to give you an example, but I'm going to let you do it yourself so you know it to be true. Because that's very, very important to me is if I want to absorb something and take it on as something that I would use um, as a part of my system of... Uh, facts, I guess, um, I would have to do it myself. I don't believe in belief, right? So I have to actually, it has to be proven to me. And the best way to me, it to be proven to me is if I prove it to myself, because then there's no question. So of course, I'll try to give that to you so you can have the same. Okay, so here's going to come the set of instructions that this will base this on. So now, here it comes. Whatever you do, do not think about a pink elephant right now. Don't do it. Don't think about a pink elephant holding a blue umbrella right in his trunk. And don't think about a pink elephant at all while you're listening to this. Now, that's pretty easy to do, right? No, it's not, because everybody, not only did you picture that big pink elephant with a blue umbrella, but you were watching yourself think about a pink elephant while you were listening to me talking about it. Do you follow that, hopefully? You're observing mine the other side observing mind was watching your thinking mind indulge in fucking pink elephants for god's sakes repeatedly despite me telling you not to and that was your thinking mind not to indulge these elephants so i was t talking directly to you but your thinking mind was the one that took it over and it didn't allow did allow so you end up seeing what I'm saying, in a way. Um, you see what you're thinking, and that's what it's, the two sides are. So you have that observing mind watching your thinking mind, okay? The thinking mind is always chattering all the time. That's why we have trouble sleeping at night. Um, it's sometimes called the inner monologue, but not always. In this instance, it's just that total it chatters the best way to it, it's. Now, some people can tune things out very well, or tune things out to a certain extent while they multitask and do other things, but still be able to not look like they're paying attention, but still grasp what was being said. Now, if you are one of those people, when you tune out of conversations with people, you know, somebody just starts talking and you're like, yep, yeah, not listening to that again. And you just want to tune them out. Okay. Or the mind wanders while you're reading something, or um, I'm sure everybody's had that happen, you know. But it's happening right now, assholes. No, like um, it's our our thinking mind is like a <laughs> like a horny dog, you know, on a leash that keeps running after things. And if we weren't used to using our observing mind then our thinking mind drags us straight along down the road, along with it, okay? 
if our thinking mind starts obsessing about reaching, I don't know, this will show my age, uh, I don't know, level 30 in Diablo, number one Diablo, um, <laughs> or I don't know, one of the last episodes of Mad Men or, you know, something like that. Um, our observing mind is helpless to rein that in, you know. And so this is what we're constructing as the two sides. This now, I thought, hopefully you understand what I'm saying when I say the observing mind and the thinking mind. Okay. Now, when we work this into emotions and how all this works, think of it like that the video game that I was talking about. The same goes for emotions themselves. Okay. And that's actually where most of us and our suffering comes from. Okay? Not from the negative emotions that inherently are themselves, but from the fact that we're helpless from getting sucked into the negative emotions. Okay? Most of our psychological and emotional stress people happens because our thinking mind and our observing mind are fused and we just don't recognize the difference. So let me try to give you a few examples. First of all, I'm going to tell you how to, we're going to tell you how to separate them and how to work on it anyway, at least how I did it. So. Now, people ask me all the time, how do I, st st they, how, they, they get the weirdest questions sometimes, but I'm very happy to answer them. Who knows their train of thought um, when it happens that they come up with these questions, but I, I get some interesting questions. Uh, uh, but people ask me a lot about this one. It was, uh, how do I stop feeling so jealous? And I don't know why they would ever ask me that, um, but... It's fine that they do. I just assuming, uh, you know, if they're going to ask me that, that's what their kind of problem they're having. Um, or how do I stop feeling angry or something like this? Um, how do I get nervous? How do I, do I get nervous in a situation anymore when I have to be in front of people? But, and the answer is simply, um, I think they want an answer of, something different than I give them because you simply don't. You can't control your thinking mind. Those emotions pop up and will continue to pop up no matter what. Okay? You can't stop them. Now what the real trick is, if you want the trick, is not to fuse with those emotions when they arise. So upon what's supposed to happen, and that's where you want to stop it and not let that happen. Now in Zen, in the motorcycle, like in Zen, they advise that instead of saying, now this is when it comes to tricking the mind, and I, you have to trick your mind sometimes because so I've done, I do it a lot when I know that I can't, my mind isn't going to let me think some way, then I have to trick it to think that, that it's thinking a different way um, so it allows it to happen. I'm going to give an example because that can be confusing. Instead of, you know, saying I am angry or I, fe I am angry, to say, I feel anger, instead of saying, I am nervous, then say, I feel nervous. Instead of saying, I am jealous, you say, I feel jealousy. Now, this subtle change in the way that words are formed, put out there and not only out into the ether, but also in your head. This simple concept is tricking your mind. And why? Because it's 
What it's doing is just by simply rearranging the way that you say things is going to make more than a subtle difference. It might sound like a subtle difference in just the way the words are somewhat different order. But when you try it, if you think about a time recently that you felt a negative emotion, a lot of anger or nervousness or insecurity or any of these, you know, instead of thinking, I was angry at my boyfriend, my girlfriend, I was angry at my brother. Think instead, I felt anger towards my brother, my girlfriend, my boyfriend. You had anger, but you weren't controlled by the anger. This separation of conscious separation of these, um, we're just saying that, is going to separate through the mind um, a lot a lot of what the power that it has over you okay because if you start to think differently like I'm telling you then it will stop to have that power over you and what that means is it's like emotions being a choice they're not a choice okay Emotions are not a choice. It's a false sense of choice, you know, like voting. But emotions are not a choice. The behavior is a choice. See? The emotion isn't, but the behavior is. And this is a big difference, a huge difference, one that you'll have to get to know if you really want this to be any kind of help to you. That means that we have to act despite our own self, okay? Now, when I'm doing these things, people have, people have asked me before about, hey, what? It, how do you deal with being afraid of rejection or failure of your cult or the, the podcasts? Or how do you worry about not being rejected? Now, normally... I'm telling you, I don't give a fuck. I'm doing this. Anybody that wants to listen to it can listen to it and get whatever they want out of it. Good for them. But I'm sharing. That is all I could share with no one, or, but I've put it out there. I've given it the shot to get out there and do that. There is no failure in that to me. The only failure would be me not doing it. And it's not something I would have done normally. Um, just like me being on Facebook. Somebody had to convince me. And it wasn't even convincing. It was more like they said that I should get out there. And then I started using it as my like my springboard. But I had just said whatever I wanted. And that's I don't care about anything else. I don't care about these constructs of social like norms or any of that. It doesn't matter to me. I don't give a fuck about your fucking feelings you know like uh get those emotions under control <laughs> uh, no but this is what i'm talking about um that's my usual answer and it's very true but the worry or the fear is what you what i'm really doing and that's what everybody needs to do you have to deal with the fear and the worry by dealing with fear and worry. Again, sounds like double talk or lawyer speak, if you will. But no, it's not. When you are afraid of failure or you're worrying about rejection, how is it that you go about fixing that? You usually don't. You might try for a little bit, it gets overwhelming, and then you get scared and you cancel. Uh, something happens. But you don't know how to deal with it, and that's the thing. Everybody tries to deal with something outside of what it is that is the problem. So if they're trying to deal with being afraid or failure, 
in dealing with how not to worry about rejection. Look internal, look at what it is and deal with that. You have to deal with the fear and the worry by dealing actually with the fear and the worry, not something else, not a product of it. I, I know that can be an annoying answer, but it's like true. Okay. I feel the same fear and worry that everybody else does sometimes. But everyone else just deals with it differently than I do for the most part. I feel the same fear and worry. I just don't identify with it. I accept it and move on despite it. You don't try to fight it. Don't try to. You have to accept that that's the way it is and move on. Because if you can't do anything about it, then you're going to have to not worry about it. You see what I've always said? If you can't worry, if you don't can't do anything about something, then don't fucking worry. If you can, then do something fucking about it. Shut the fuck up. But this is what I'm speaking of. This is how it comes down to that. This is how I apply it to myself in my everyday life. I don't let my thinking mind, okay, control me. Why? How? Well, I, because I've talked about my emotions, I diffuse from my emotions. Now, this is not saying something that you should do. Not at all. Just telling you what I do. And the outcome of these things. This is not self-help. This is me telling about my experiences uh, during these kind of situations a lot of people have. So, I diffuse from my emotions. when I, If I feel fear, well, that's not a good one for me to use because fear for me is a whole different animal. But when I feel fear, I conscience, consciously, that is, I have control over it. Now, this is not something you're going to probably have unless you were trained to do this. So, I consciously choose to act despite it. When I feel worry, I consciously choose to act despite it. For instance, let me give you an example. When I have to sit down and do one of these podcasts, or five of them, or whatever I do in a night, I often get very nervous. You wouldn't think. People are like, you're very good with people, blah, blah, blah. But I do because it's a pouring out of my thoughts and my emotional state and my uh, secrets sometimes. Uh, but I want to make sure that I get those across in a proper manner that people are going to understand because it's the misunderstanding of something that I'm trying to say that's the worst part of my worry. And that, to me, is because I'll blame it on myself that I did not explain it well enough for a, a retard to a, a genius to understand. I need to come up with it so everybody can understand it. It's not too simple. It's not too complicated. But something that everybody can understand. Hence why I use real-life examples Hence why yeah, I do the, the, those things. But this is something that I'm doing, you know, a couple times a month. So uh, sitting down before I do this podcast, knowing that I can't leave. I try not to edit this afterwards at all. Um, because I want you guys to feel, see, hear the fuck-ups. Uh, I'm not perfect. It isn't perfect. I don't want it to sound perfect. I don't want to just edit it till it sounds perfect. Not really. Not the words, I don't like to be edited. Um, you can edit the outside stuff, but don't. you're not editing my words. My words are mine, and those ways that I choose to put them together for you to understand them is what I think is best or what the best thing that comes out of my mouth is, and that I trust before anything before somebody else is going to try to say something or you should cut that out. A, I don't feel good, give a shit about your feelings, so therefore I don't care about if it hurts them or you like it or not. 
it, it you don't have to listen for all I give a shit but I am putting this out there I am uh, trying to make it as real and raw as as it can be and that means I have to continue to talk no matter what I can't leave like a bunch of like static on the on the podcast so it has to flow out and it has to flow well um and so I try really hard about that and I do get nervous about it hey maybe I'm not in the great frame of mind and you know my thoughts aren't as quick as they used to be that sometimes that worries me if I'm not feeling well that doesn't go as fast um but I always want to give you guys as much as I can and something really great and knowing that, you know, a bunch of people are going to be listening to it. Now, one of the biggest things that come off of that or uh, a result of uh, a result of it is procrastination. So they always put it off and that like, okay, well, I got scared or I'm worried about it. Therefore, I'm just not going to do it and I'm going to make excuses to put it off or procrastinate. Well, and it's very, very common. We do it all the time. I remember when I was younger, um, when I was in a situation where I got nervous or procrastinated. For It doesn't matter if it was a big term paper for school or um, whatever it was. I would start to make up, you know, I can't do it because uh, I'm too tired or I can't focus like other people because I have my dyslexia or ADD, what you guys have now, they say. Okay, um, whatever, we're making excuses up. And now I know with my dyslexia, that's not something that goes away. I just have to re. I've relearned how to read in your the way most people do. And if I get nervous, though, I'll tell you. If I get real nervous for some reason, and I'm reading, it'll start to go. My mind it goes back to automatically goes back to the dyslexic. It's it's kind of that's how it knows to go. Like that's it just goes back to what's normal or what it thinks is normal. So. Now, like just the other day when I did the podcast, I mean, it was very normal and it's not out of the thought process of me sitting down and doing four podcasts. That could be anywhere from a half hour a piece to three hours a piece in a single day, a single night. I still feel same, some anxiety about it. I still hear the same thoughts. Um that you're trying to seep in oh you should uh, eat first you should make sure your palate is uh, you should drink something you should get a nap okay this is the thoughts that are coming in for procrastination purposes but now instead of identifying with these thoughts okay they're creeping in and most people just identify with them go yeah 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 well no 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 just like the they, thems, and the he, hers, and the he, haws. Okay? We don't want to identify with that. Okay? Not with those thoughts. You have to acknowledge them because they're there. We know that. But it doesn't mean you have to identify with them. So you change the thought process that goes upon them. And you think, I feel nervous. And so you say, I feel nervous about writing today. I have the thought that I need to eat first. I have the thought that I need to take a nap first. Do you see how that's not giving in to it? It's controlling what the natural or what you think is natural to come out. Now you're taking a little bit of control. But then I'll turn my thinking mind and promptly tell that thinking mind that he's full of shit you know when these things 
and that I don't need a damn thing except to sit my ass down and do the goddamn things. Okay? We all produce excuses and negative emotions involuntarily. Involuntarily. So, you want to take control over it. That is one way to do it. Um, and it's all about your speech and what you're saying, how you say it. And that is taking the control back from the thinking mind. And guess what? Unfortunately, they're never going to change either. So you're going to have to find something that works like I did. And it really works because it's never, you're going to constantly have to do it because it doesn't change. I don't care how many positive thoughts you conjure in your freaking mind. What kind of therapist you do, or therapy you do, what kind of fucking new age spiritual crap you try. Negative thoughts and emotions are natural products of the human brain. I'll repeat that. Negative thoughts and emotions are natural products of the human brain. You can't get away from them. None of us can. What you can do is accept them. Okay? Diffuse from them. Separate from them. And then act despite of them. So you follow that? Accept, diffuse, act. So in the same wording, when they ask how to stop feeling angry, how and stop getting nervous, how they get this, this is their problem inherently. As soon as you try to eliminate a thought or emotion, you make it stronger. One more time. As soon as you try to eliminate a thought or an emotion, you make it stronger. We'll get into why that is. Uh, Buddhists, uh, on their end, they'll say, what you resist will persist, okay? So that's the Buddhists. Uh, Tony Robinson, we all know who he is. Um, he is, uh, what did he say? He says... You feel what you focus. That's what his thing is. The more you focus on an emotion, the more powerful it becomes. Thus, negative emotions are like quicksand. Okay. The more you struggle to get out of them, you'll get sucked in more. Okay. That's obsessive stuff. Okay. So if somebody's obsessed over something, they focus on something and only that, and it goes around and around and around. And that's why they're obsessed. That's obsessive. Now, you're asking what will, of course, what's, what can you do? What do you do? What do you do? Well, I have exercises that I used to do. And they might work for you, but this is kind of what I did. And you, you can try them or not. Um, and this helped me separate the two minds, and therefore take control of the behaviors despite the thoughts and emotions. Okay? So, the first one, whenever I felt a strong emotion or thought, I wanted to dis identify with it and take possession of it. I know that sounds very weird to be doing over emotion, but for example, thinking that I'm at work and I'm thinking my boss is an idiot. He's just an idiot. But I'm having the thought that my boss is an idiot. I don't hate my ex-girlfriend. I'm feeling hatred toward my ex-girlfriend. 
I am not lonely and depressed. I am feeling lonely and depression. Do you see how that separates? It doesn't allow it to sound as if it's consumed or controlling you. I, I'm not, you're dismantling it right as you're saying, I am not lonely and depressed. So that's, but you put it on as I'm feeling this way. I am not this way. I'm feeling this way. And this is very important because language being so powerful, that will reprogram the brain after a while. When you start to disidentify from these emotions and thoughts in this way, it does two things. One, it implies that you're, they, they're temporary states, okay? And not permanent conditions. So when you separate it like that or just identify with it, it's showing that it's a temporary thing. It's not something that's going to be there all the time. Very key right there. And two, it forces you to take responsibility for them. They're not anybody's fault. And this, this right here is the real good stuff. This is the core stuff. This is how I think and have to think to get to the core issues because this right here is how people don't think. They're nobody's fault. They just are inherently. So these are not anybody's fault. They just are. And I'll get to that very soon. Now another one, a little exercise that I did, and I actually, it was off of something my mother said, believe that or not. Um, and she always, she had said that when they're giving you a hard time at school or picking on you, you just compliment them and it will throw them off. And it does perfectly. Um, I've tried it many a time. But the same thing goes for your mind. So to trick the mind, you thank the mind for what it is doing that normally it wouldn't, it would do without your knowledge. Let me tell you. Give you an example of the mantras a little here and there. Thank you, thinking mind, for feeling nervous before my date tonight. It will keep me on my toes and alert. You see that? You're not looking at the negative aspects of what it does. You're looking at the positive aspects of what it does. Taking what's naturally known to be the negative, okay, and you're complimenting it or saying thank you. You're saying thank you for doing something good. You're making the bad good and then saying thank you to something. So basically it's turning it around. Thank you, thinking mind, for being angry at my boss. I really appreciate how much you care. You see that? Now, this is going to, if you put this into, a, if you try this, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, if you get to the point where you're going to try it, which most of you aren't, so I don't worry about it, but for the few that do, it's going to be, I'm going to tell you, like, yeah, I really have to think differently on this one because it's going to sound really strange. It's going to feel really bizarre. Expressing gratitude towards a negative emotion. It's everything that you're not, like everything against what you know. But I think you'll find that it diminishes the power of the thoughts and emotions over time and actually impels you to take an action despite what they are saying. Okay. And that is the key is to act in despite in in spite so like that's the third part was that act in spite of it okay but you want to make sure 
you are taking the action, even though it's what the power of the thought doesn't want you to do almost. It was supposed to become destabilizing and like a, supposed to get you depressed, but if you don't allow it, then it can't do it. And it takes a little bit of practice, but eventually you will get there. And finally, if you find the anger is another thing I, like I'd like to t touch on because a lot of the males have that problem. A lot of females, everybody's got anger issues. Um, it's just how they deal with them is the key. And I know that best because I'm very, I was a very angry person. And if you find yourself in the heat of the moment, and I'm not talking um, in the arms of lust, I'm talking about something that's really nagging you, try this one, okay? And just give it a try. Take something that's bothered you recently, if you can figure that out, if you can remember, besides this podcast and me talking. Okay. Take something that's bothered you recently and hold it in your mind, okay? Maybe it's your girlfriend's nagging. Maybe it's uh, your boyfriend nagging. Maybe it's being terrified of talking to some cute girl at the club. Um Maybe it's quitting your job, whatever. Like, we want to distill that, whatever it is, into one single sentence. Okay. I know it's going to be hard to take all that and put it into one single sentence. But we'll take the quitting your job. Let's say you want to quit your job. For instance, you could say something like, I feel afraid of quitting my job. Or, I feel irritated with my girlfriend. Okay, that sums it all up. And what do they have in front of it? I feel, not I am. I feel, again, making it temporary. I am this way means that is concrete. That is, I am encompassed by something. I am something means, you know, that's what you are. I feel this way. That's what pulls it, separates it, and lets it know, lets you know that it's a temporary thing. And that's really, really what the mind needs to get used to that. Now, This might be a little over some of your heads because just you simply might not be old enough. But you should be, I think. Um, if you close your eyes right now, everybody, and you don't have to think about a banana this time, but imagine Bugs Bunny, you know. What's up, Doc? Imagine Bugs Bunny saying it while chewing a carrot, okay? You know, what's up, Doc? Okay, so then Mickey Mouse sang it while dancing and doing cartwheels, you know. Pretend the Simon, Alvin, Theodore, the chipmunks are singing it to you in the form of a Christmas carol. Oh, you know, I'm like really pushing the envelope of trying to do this stuff if I'm saying shit like that because. You know how I hate Christmas, but this is for the masses, remember. So, I always get caught on the chipmunks, though. But anyway, now, turn it into an image of Maybe your angry girlfriend or you, your stupid broke ass sitting on the curb. Put some kind of image on a television screen. Put that image, make the colors funny, give yourself a polka dotted suit, make your girlfriend's hair into a bunch of candy canes, it doesn't matter. 
do whatever it is that you want. Now this is going to what? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Well, what this is going to do is going to make light of it, make it funny, uh, make it not so serious, make it not so negative. It's going to take that negative and make it funny almost. Now, doing this is a slippery slope, but make the thought look and sound so ridiculous in your mind, okay? Take your time and play with it. Really play with it. Get something really good in there. I mean, something that almost makes you laugh inside. I mean, that good, you know? Now, after you've done this for a minute or two, or however long it takes you to get that voluntarily in your head, go ahead and stop thinking like that. And how did that feel to you? Chances are, you feel much better about it. <laughs> and the negative emotion that was normally attached to it isn't nearly as potent or strong as it was before. Because you could laugh at it, you could make fun of it, you could, while it's still the same thing, it's just not so intense anymore. Okay, and then enough of these exercises for you guys. Uh, um, I'll uh, continue, but I wanted you guys to do that in your head so you guys could actually feel what I was saying and how that actually works and what kind of little exercises you can do and feeling it firsthand now you can make up your own exercises ones that are more fitted to you because you'll no longer be a slave separating the observing mind from your thinking mind is a habit that takes a lot of practice okay most people are not going to put it into practice and they'll just say oh it's really cool while they're listening to my voice say it uh, but they're not going to put it into practice, and that's the way it goes. Um, but it, for those that do, once you begin to do it, you'll feel yourself becoming less and less of a slave to your thoughts, negative thoughts, your emotions. Uh, you'll take more control over your internal daily life, and you'll feel better about it, no matter what. You got to be able to laugh at yourself, people. Now, in my opinion, it's this is one of the single most important steps in developing what they like to call self-discipline and the and acting despite whatever neuroses or mental hangups you have or you suffer from. Once you differentiate between the two minds you can then only and then begin to evaluate your thoughts and feelings from the objects and places and decide which ones are helpful and which ones are harmful. And your life will be better for it altogether. And that's really about it, people. That's the way it works. If you want to go home and try it, go home and try it. If you don't and you think it's all psychobabble, I understand that emotion. I just don't identify with it. <laughs> anyway, um, I started to, I figured out that I wanted to do a, something new for um, while I'm doing something new with a podcast. And that is, now where I got this originally from, I really liked the concept of what they were doing when uh, the show came on television. And it was Criminal Minds. And it always started off as uh, a quote from somebody. And I really love the quotes from people that they used on that show. So I decided that, that I was going to use something like that um, at the end of mine instead of the beginning like theirs. 
to leave you on a different note than um, was put on in the beginning. It's kind of a... Uh, we talked about emotions. We can talk about something else. But I want to leave you with some thoughts that aren't just truly all those. Um, and I was thinking about what I should do. Should it be a quote? Should I take words and uh, give them definition, give you the definition of them? And that would be something you'd be learning and be able to connect with. Um, and I'm still, I still was thinking about that. So um, I, I think I'm just going to go with facts and definitions so it could be either or whatever I decide but this one's called the law of very large numbers now you know I'm a pattern person and this this gives way to that and this is why this is a very big part of things the law of very, very large numbers is Given a wide enough data set, a wide enough data set, any pattern can be observed. Okay, you know I'm a pattern person. So, patterns work in everywhere. They are everywhere. They are everything. Everything is a pattern. Now, fortunately, some of these patterns happen over and over very quickly. Okay. So maybe some of them happen every three seconds. Some of them happen every three days, every three months, every whatever. Some you don't even get to see the pattern exist because too much time would go by. And you're just, physical body's not alive. Okay. So any pattern can be observed as long as the data set is wide enough because you'll see the pattern. Okay. A million to one odd sounds like a million to one odds is what it sounds like but it sounds like almost impossible right you know many how many times that happens in new york city a day eight at least eight times a day in new york city population of eight million at least the world itself hasn't become crazier not at all. We're just seeing more of everything that is there. So think about that. The law of very large numbers, given a wide enough data set, any pattern can be observed. A million to one odds happen eight times. A day in New York City. Got eight million people there. Okay? The world hasn't become crazier. You're just now seeing more of everything. So that'll be it for this one. Um, uh, the second half of this won't be about the second half of this. Um, not sure what I'm going to do the second one with, but you guys have a good one. Think about that, and uh, don't forget how to speak about the motions later. <laughs>